appreciate it. Take your Bibles to Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22. <clears throat> About nine years ago, I preached on this passage. It is, it is one of my favorite passages of all the scripture. I, I just can't tell you how much this passage encourages me. I was led again to go to it and revisit it, which I'm going to do this morning. I just love this passage. In the uh, Passion of the Christ, a lot of controversy surrounded any anytime anybody wants to make a movie about the life of Christ. Come on, you, you, you're in a minefield, right? I mean, it's going to be you almost have you can't almost do it right. You can't do it right. Uh, but but uh, the Passion of the Christ, I believe, captured what the Bible talks about for the most part in what happened from Gethsemane to the cross. Yeah, the movie starts out with Gethsemane. Uh, and there's things you have to interpolate in through there the Bible doesn't talk about. But his way to Calvary, we knew that uh, there was a, quite a uh, Via de la Rosa, a trail of blood as he went to the cross. Um, one, one place there that just, I had to shut the thing off. I had it at home. In fact, I watch it every so often. I had it at home. I just had to shut it off and just cry. I had a, I usually I watch it, I have a little face towel, and I tell my wife, go do something. And because men don't cry, you know. And so I, I had a face towel there, and, and I, I, I come to this one place, and I just have to stop the thing and cry like a baby. Where his uh, Mary, uh, in, on the way to the cross, intercedes there, and, and, he, and he tells her, he says, behold, I make all things new. It still grips me. What Christ wanted to do and what he did is he made a provision so that he can make all things new. And that this old cursed world with his sin and heartache and, and, and this life has been called a veil of tears. Now, I know you young 20-somethings or less probably wonder what in the world am I talking about? Why am I so negative? I'm not trying to be negative. But I'm trying to give you a heads up. Uh, this world is not a friend of grace to lead me on to God. And uh, it's been called, uh, uh, the, the head of this place is called Satan. He's called the God of this world. You don't see in the Bible where Jesus is the God of this world. Satan's the God of this world. People want to blame what's going on in this world on God. I always tell him you're blaming it on the wrong person. Blame it on Satan. He's called the God of the world. This is his world. This is his dominion. And look the mess it's in. Because that's everything he touches. That's what he'll do. But anyway, I just want to, another passage that just moves me is in verse 5 of chapter 22. But I will read verse 1 through 7 to give you a context. We're going to settle in on verse 5. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal. So how many of you have been to Crystal Springs? That's where they used to, remember Manhunt? Or something like, not Man, was it? Some scuba show. Uh, anyway, they made there, the head springs of the Crystal River. I went up there and looked at that. I, I'm going to remember in a second, Lloyd Bridges. 
Lloyd Bridges. It's been a long time since I thought of him. Lloyd Bridges. Remember Lloyd Bridges? Yeah, they had TV in Kansas. But uh, <laughs> he showed me a pure river, a water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the midst of the street of it, on either side of the river, there was a tree of life. So you have the water of life and the tree of life, which bear 12 manner of fruit and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves were trees for the healing of the nations. I believe that's during the millennial period for sure. And there shall be no more curse. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. And then you're included in this as a born-again believer. His servants shall serve him. People often ask me what we're going to do in heaven. And they shall see his face, because no man sees the face of God and lives. And his name shall be in their foreheads. You that like tattoos, you're going to get your wish. You that don't like tattoos, you're going to be glad to have it. But he's going to put his name in your forehead. And there shall be no night there. And they need no candle or flashlight, LED, <laughs> neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light. And that's the phrase we're going to talk about. And they shall reign, how long? Forever and ever. And he said unto me, the sayings are, are faithful and true. As our brother Ludwig said, these are foundational. You, you can build on this. These are faithful and true sayings. The Lord God and the Holy Prophet sent his angel to show unto his servants, that's you and me, the things which must shortly be done. In God's perspective of time, it's just a short amount of time. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. I'm an alien in this old world. The older I get, the more alien and disconnected, I feel. Uh, I feel estranged to all the accoutrements that it, the world presents. Looser and looser, my fingers grip by the grace of God, the things of the flesh. I have a strange, oftentimes distant look in my eyes. The longing for another place. Higher, better, brighter. And by the way, I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one. Historically, C.S. Lewis says this, historically, a continual looking forward to the eternal world is not a form of escapism or wishful thinking, pie in the sky. But one of the things a Christian is meant to do he goes on to say, it does not mean that we are to leave the present world as it is and just lay back. No. If you read history, he says, you will find that Christians who did the most for the present world were just those who thought the most of the next world. The fact that you keep your eye on the next world will help you do better here. C.S. Lewis again said, aim at heaven and you get earth thrown in. Aim at earth as your goal, and you, you get neither. You lose both. 
It's God's plan that you and I as Christians keep changing into more heavenly-minded creatures. That we grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I am not today what I used to be. I'm different. And I'm going to continue to be different. Years ago when I started, when I became senior pastor, and I've been here for 12 years as associate pastor, been preached a lot. Pastor McKinney had to preach a lot. And then I became senior pastor in 1992, and he, he was getting Alzheimer's and resigned and went on. And, and uh, I used to have the old ladies. I love you old ladies, by the way. But the, the old ladies today are not the old ladies of then. Those old ladies, are in, they're gone. They're in heaven. There's a whole kind of a pack of old ladies that used to come around me and say, Oh, Sonny, you're getting it. You're getting it. And another one come up and say, Some, One of these days, you're going to really be able to preach. I'm like, I'm 40 years old. When's it going to happen? You know, and they thought they were encouraging me, but I was actually discouraged by what they said. I thought, man, at 40, you think I ought to be, ought to be doing better. But the truth is, you do change. And hopefully, you get better. Hopefully, you get more heavenly minded. I mean, some of the best cooks in this church are not 20-year-old girls. Some of the best cooks in this church, they got shaky hands. They don't, they, don't know what, they don't know how they make it. They just know they make it. How much did you put in there? I don't know. Pinch of this, toss of this, throw over your shoulder, do something, and then, woo! Wow. Heaven is God's prepared place for a purified people. Not purified by their self-righteousness. Oh, no. Purified by the righteousness that can only be found in Christ that they have by faith appropriated. Lewis Sperry Schaefer, which, by the way, he died a year after I was born, theologian, he said, anyone can devise a plan by which good people may go to heaven. Only God can devise a plan whereby sinners and his enemies can go to heaven. I'm an, I was an alien, an alienated and an enemy of the cross when Jesus found me. And he, through his mercy and grace, has transformed me and allowed me to become now his friend and his eventual neighbor. The way to heaven is narrow. The gate is straight. It leads to eternal life. Jesus said it. Those who desire heaven must release earth ultimately. Why? Because no man can serve two masters. John John Webster, by the way, the dictionary guy, you may not know this, but John Webster is quite a Christian. That's why I have a Webster dictionary, not a Funkin' Wagnalls. Just thought I'd throw that out. Webster says, heaven gates are not so highly arched as princes' palaces. They that enter heaven must go upon their knees. Heaven is a place for humble people, not proud folks. If you'll humble yourself under the hand of God, he'll raise you up. God resists the proud, gives grace to the humble. I've looked in the face of men who are at the threshold and women of the threshold of heaven's door. I've talked with them, yea, minutes before they've left this old earth and entered into eternity. Dwight Moody said this, how far away is heaven? It is not so far as some imagine. It wasn't very far for Daniel. 
It was not so far for Elijah. Men full of the Spirit can look right into heaven. We walk in the Spirit. The Spirit of God that's with you now as a born-again believer is the same Spirit that's going to be with you when you enter into heaven. He's an old familiar friend to those folks who've been saved a while. The more the Spirit controls you, the more, the more this earth will recede and become less important to you. At times, as you walk in the Spirit, like Pilgrim's Progress, you can almost see the lights of this celestial city. Last night when I went to bed, and in fact the last few nights, I had my uh, bedroom, I built my house and I put my bedroom on the east of the home because I wanted to see the sunrise. Some of you may not know, the sun does come up gradually. But also the moonrise, I want to see the moonrise, that old moon, that harvest moon. By the, oh, never mind. But uh, the harvest moon will come up and it looks big like a dishpan almost, big as your hand as you put it out there. Last night I was laying in bed, able to look out my window and look at that moon. And I was thinking, oh man, it won't be long now. It won't be long. One can almost smell the fresh air of sinlessness. One can almost hear, almost if you're real quiet. By the way, I got tinnitus. How many here have a roaring in your ears? It's a horrible thing. I've had to embrace it. I've had a roaring in my ears 25 years. I have not heard birds. I don't hear uh, those little things that tweet, 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 whatever those are. There's a bunch of them where I live. I don't hear the frogs. I don't hear the, I don't hear a lot of that. I don't hear most of the women, which that's not so bad. But, but I, I, I've lost a lot. I told my wife the next time I hear that's going to be when I step over on the other side. But I've had to embrace it, and I embrace it. Accept it as a friend of mine. But sometimes, even in my, I've had phenomena happen with this tinnitus in both ears. I sometimes will get up at 2, 3 in the morning, and it'll be gone. And I haven't heard quiet in so long that I am just, I just walk around the house. In the moments of the quiet, I can almost hear the songs of the redeemed as they sing. The context of our passage is, the last chapter of the last book of the Bible. It is a fitting consummation to a spiritual atlas, the Bible. And its end, the Bible's end, I love the way the Bible ends. It just ends to be continued. The end of the Bible is just the beginning for you and me, those that are born again in Christ. It's the final chapter the final chapter is our destination, yes, but as birthed sons of God, able to do what God wants us to do. Why do you think God hasn't told us what we're going to do for all eternity? Because it'll ruin a surprise. Amen? I like surprises. How about you? I love surprises. I don't tell my wife what I get her for different events of her life. I keep it secret. And then she, I watch her disappointment as she opens it. One time for her birthday, I got her a coffee maker. I was excited about it. Problem is, she don't drink coffee. One time I got her a big old, this is in the 
70, early 70s. Big, remember the shags, the big old black shag? I get her big old real hair, black shag wig. I thought she'd like it. She cried. She said, you don't like my hair? Young married, you know, I had no idea. If you ask for, if you think you can improve on them, they, oh. okay. I'm not going to tell you what I told her, but like I bought the wig. She didn't ever wore it, never wore it. But our destination has not told us because God wants you to have some anticipation, some surprise. Oh, there's going to be work. Oh, the future is full of surprises for the born-again Christian. Woo! What will we do in heaven? What will we do? Well, it's answered there in verse 3 of chapter 22 and verse 4. That's what it says. I'm asked this question over and over again. There's the answer right there. And in verse 5 is what I want to talk about because it's a statement that just gripped me nine years ago, especially when I I did the, the essence of this message. He said, for the Lord God giveth them light. For the Lord God giveth them light. Last night was, before the moon came up, was very dark, very dark. And I, about 225 feet away from my house, I have a carport. I, we parked there, my wife and I, and um, we began to walk to the house. Man, it was dark. Well, we've had a big black bear uh, in our property, about 300, 350 pounds black bear. But I've never heard of a black bear eating anybody, so I'm not too worried. But he's, he's been all over. But it gave me the, gave me, it spooked me a little bit. You know, spooked me a little bit. The black bear, real dark night. He's got black hair. You're not going to see him. And I thought, well, I hope he picks her instead of me. <laughs> I'm just kidding, girls. Don't get upset with me. Don't take up offense. Don't take up offense. I figured, uh, I'm not going there. Okay. So, but, but I'm, I, you know, it's dark dark. I had to, you know, dip my phone and figure out how to get to the light on it and hit that. And you take your light and you're walking, you know, that little bit of light. That's all you need, that little bit of light, man. And when it's the darker the night, the brighter the light. We were in Mammoth Cave, I think a mile down uh, by that river. You could hear the river flowing and it was pit. They turned all the lights out. And I mean, you cannot see your hand from your face. Anybody been there? Anybody in Mammoth Cave? Go. If you haven't been to Mammoth Cave, go. It's 55 degrees all year long. And you, you got to have a jacket. And you go down in there, and you sit in this chair, and he says, okay, now, everybody seated. Yes, okay, turn the lights out. He turn the lights out. Wow. Then he takes a lighter, a big lighter, and he goes, it lights the whole room up. You literally could move around and do whatever you needed to do with a big lighter. And there was 40, 50 people. And I thought to myself, that proves more than anything. It doesn't take a whole lot of light when it's real dark out. Wow. The Bible says in, in Matthew 5:14, ye are the light of the world. Why does the world need light? Because the Bible describes the world as a place of darkness. The kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of darkness is Satan's kingdom. It's never referred to as light. It's always referred to as something dark. He says, listen, you're the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is what kind of good works? kind of good works the Bible talks about. That's what. We that have repented and replaced our faith, replaced our faith in Jesus Christ, and by the way, that he is resurrected from that. I was talking to somebody yesterday, and they tried to tell me that, well, Jesus was good, and yeah, he believed he resurrected and everything, but also they believe maybe 
Maybe Muhammad was another one, and maybe this. I said, no, 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 no. Either Jesus told the truth and was the truth, or he's a liar, or he's a crazy man. But there cannot be more than one truth. But there's been a lie, and it's being propagated in our high schools, and our elementaries, and our, and our colleges, that you can have more than one truth. The truth somehow is, is, a, is a fluid thing, and is culturally sensitive. Trust me when I tell you this, if you don't learn anything about truth, truth is absolutely singular, absolutely unmovable. It is absolute. And the devil is spreading the lie of pluralism so that he can try to nullify and keep people away from the cross. Which guess who died on a cross? The way, the truth, and the life. All we have to do is lift our light up. Who is the light? Any light in me comes from Jesus, amen? It don't come from me. It comes from Jesus. So what is that? Let your light so shine. Lift up Jesus. And Jesus said, if you lift the Son of Man up, he'll draw all men to himself like bugs that are attracted to light. And bro, they are, aren't they? If you lift Jesus up, sinners will want to know about it and come to him. You don't do the work. The Holy Spirit and the Word of God does the work. All we do is lift up Jesus through the Word of God and let it work. And they'll come. That's John 12, 32, where Jesus said, If I be lifted up from the earth, I'll draw all men to me. Boy, we need to do it. I think of Moses... You know, he went up 40 days with God. He didn't have to eat for 40 days. Didn't have to drink for 40 days. Not possible without God because you can't go three days without drinking. You can go 40 days without eating. And so he's up there 40 days with God. He comes down. And it's an interesting word that is used for Moses' face. It means light which shot out like horns, or we would say rays of light. Rays of light began to come out of Moses, and it bothered him. And they said, you got to cover your face. This, this, is, this is freaking us out. Um, but that's not the only time that's happened in the Bible, where actually Moses possessed light. And it came out of him like a ray. Um, you, you may remember uh, the, the transfiguration where Jesus went up in 17th chapter Matthew with, with Peter, James, and John. And they go up and, and all of a sudden the Bible says that Jesus was transfigured um, before them. He changed. And he became light, like white beyond description. Well, the, the word is fotizo. Fotizo. It means he was illuminated, hence the title of the message. We are luminaries for Jesus. He was illuminated. And by the way, what happened to Jesus in the transfiguration, that he became luminous and radiant and brilliant, all those are synonyms for the Greek word there, that's going to happen to you and me. We're going to be like him, for we shall see him as he is. 
We're not just going to be like Jesus in his righteousness and wearing, of course, a robe of righteousness that he gives us because of his shed blood, but we're going to also have the light that he, we will have light like he has light. That's what it says there. 1 John 1, 5 says, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Makes sense. We are luminaries for God. In some respect, we're luminaries right now because we're enough, we have enough light in us in this dark world that when we come into a room, darkness runs. Darkness if you don't believe that, you're on a construction job, you got 20, 30 guys you eat lunch with, bring your Bible. A circle will form around you. One time I lived in Fort Myers Beach, I, lived, I, I put my wife in good places. I, I rented a little apartment because I was busted. I had $500. Some of you relate to this. All I had in my name was $500. I rented this little junky old apartment. And my wife got a, an abscess root canal, took all the 500 bucks. Whoever told me two can live cheaper than one, I'm hunting for that guy still. But now I'm broke. And so I'm in this apartment, I'm working, doing the best I can to work and everything. But that, that apartment had more roaches. And I mean big ones like this. We're talking palmetto bugs. That's a nice name for a big king-sized roach. I woke up one morning and I had a roach licking my toothbrush clean. Yeah, that's how I got that night tea. I don't know what them roaches brush with, but man, it helped you. But I mean, I took that and washed it off. But I mean, there were you could hit the wall and you'd hear them run. I, 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 Kelly's here. It's the gospel. I'm telling you the truth. If you turn the light out, they would start coming out. And they would come out. We used to have a little game where we put a little food on the, in the table. And you'd, you'd turn the light out and just sit there. And then turn the light and there'd be like, whoosh, that's the way it is. A Christian gets among a bunch of unsaved people. They are, it, we freak them out. We scare them out. We, woo! If you don't believe that, listen to the liberal squeal. When they even get the thought, it even comes across their table that Christians may actually rule America again. What? Anything but that. You mean law and order? You mean where murder's wrong? You mean where stealing is wrong? You mean where you have to do things decently and in order? That kind of horror? Yes. Yes. Everywhere you look in the Bible, darkness represents evil. Hell is a place of darkness. People say, I'm going to hell because we're going to party with my friend. You're not going to, you're not going to party. You're not going to party. You're not even going to be able to see anybody. I don't know about you, but you know how crazy it makes you. If you dove at night, Tom, you dove in the pitch black at night. When you're in that water at night and something bumps you, doesn't that kind of, doesn't that kind of give, even a farm boy, that, that's got to give a little farm boy a little, I mean, we're out there in, the, in 40, 50 feet of water, and you're in pitch black. And when I say pitch black, I mean, it's like what I talked about in, in Mammoth Cave almost. I mean, it's like you can't even, and all of a sudden, something hits you. 
Hell is a dark place where you cannot see what's bumping into you. But the Bible says, their worm dieth not. Uh-oh. You mean it's a dark place and you got little creatures crawling on you? That sounds like a bad place to go. Whatever you think. And I think that's exactly what God was trying to tell everybody when he talked to them about hell. Jesus described it like that in, in Mark chapter 9, verse 52, verse 42 and following. And I can tell you this, that you don't want to go to that dark place. You want to go where the light's at. And the light is obtained through Jesus Christ and his shed blood. And simple childlike faith, believing in him. The opposite of God is darkness. Why do you think bars are dark? Why do you think places of ill repute are dark? Why do you think that, that uh, dance halls are dark? Places of sin, places of fornication, places of immorality, places of drunkenness, typically very, very dark what a blasphemy it is, if I may take this little caveat, that they're making churches today with black ceilings and black walls and black... And, and what, what an opposite message it sends. We have white here. People say, why do we have white? Because it says like heaven. Boy, dear luminaries of light, in that day of entering heaven, we are going to be luminous creatures. The Bible says they need no light. God gives them light. Now, here's what, it's going to, here's what I'm trying to picture. You're not going to have to have a candle, a flashlight, an LED light. You're going to be the light. When you walk in a room, it lights up. Wherever you walk, it lights out in front of you. You'll be able to see where you're going, what you're doing. God is going to give us this capability and so many more things he is going to bestow upon them that love him. You say, is it worth the suffering? Yes, it's worth whatever you suffer this side of heaven. Is it worth to quit this and quit that? It's worth whatever little pleasures the sin will offer you. It's worth quitting every one of them. Brother, if God told me to quit Mountain Dew, I'd quit it, and I did. And for worse, Rochelle, see here? He's drinking Mountain Dew, man. Did he quit that yet? Oh, we got to work on that one now. <laughs> Yahoo Mountain Dew. If God told me to quit beef, I'd quit it. If God told me to quit pork, I'd quit it. If God told me to quit chicken, I'd quit it. If God told me to become a vegetarian, and that's a cuss word. I'd do it. Brother, you're not going to be able to pile up something and say, oh, that's such a sacrifice that I don't think it's worthy. No, he said the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be the light that's coming. Man, look at that passage again, verse 5. He says, I'm going to give them light. No, no need for light. A.W. Tozier says this. The man who's seriously convinced that he deserves to go to hell is not likely to go there. While the man who believes that he is worthy of heaven will certainly never enter that blessed place. 
the saddest maybe thing I have happened to me on a regular basis, I ask people, if you died, where would you go? And often, I'm at 99%, no, no, maybe 99 is big, 95% of the time they'll say, I believe I'd go to heaven. You know, my uncle's worse than I am, my, my, my mom's worse than I am, my sister's way worse than I am, my brother's, she's horrible, he's horrible. I mean, they'll always compare themselves with themselves. And of course, the Bible says don't do that because it's not wise. But on this 95% that say, I think I'd go to heaven, I hope I'd go to heaven, I always ask a follow-up question, why would you go? And what's so sad to me is when they try to say they're worthy to go. They helped an old lady across the street. They remember the Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts. They gave cookies to people. They did this little thing, little thing. You think that that is, that is the, how cheap it is to get into heaven? To receive the things that you read in this passage? You could never and I could never earn the right to put a foot in heaven. But we could be given that right and will be given that right by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ who died, was buried, and the third day was raised from the dead, conquering death and hell. And his precious blood was shed and paid for all your sins. If you will simply repent and believe. Repentance has to do with humility. It has to do with, I'm wrong, God's right. It means simply that I'm, I didn't do good and, and he is good. I'm not good, he is good. It's a humbling of oneself. That's why I said you're not going to get to heaven uh, walking in there, strutting in there. Boy, I'm, I finally made it. You're going to get there humbly. Nothing in my hands I bring. Only to the cross I cling. You're, you're a, if you're a born-again Christian, you're a luminary. Live like it. Walk like a luminary. And then lift up the little bit of light you've received. Lift it up to the people around you. Don't put your light under a bushel. Don't hide it from the folks who need it the most. Now, yesterday, we had a big old crowd. Brother Moon here, how many did we have uh, come out yesterday? 38. 38? That's three more than last week, the last time we went. Why not have 48 next time? Why not have 48 folks? Why not have some of you folks who've never been, and you've never let your light so shine before, man, like we're going out there. Now, that's not the only way. You know, I'm not telling you that's the only way to lift your light up. No, no. But it is a good way. And no preachers up here telling you it's a good way. You can believe me when I tell you, if you'll go door to door a few times, you're going to get a chance to share the gospel with somebody. And if you share the gospel enough, once in a while, somebody's going to get saved. Yeah, you can do it. Let your light so shine before man. But let it shine more than just door to door. Let it shine everywhere, everywhere you go. Lift Jesus up. And I just want to leave you with the thought. Heaven is a beautiful place, full of glory and grace. I want to see my Savior's face. Heaven is a beautiful. Heaven is a marvelous. Heaven is a nice place. Now, you that know the words of that song, know that that wasn't the words. But I just made it up as I went. But I'm going to tell you, you sing any way you want to sing. Everything's all right in my Father's house. In my father's house, in my father's house, everything's all right in my father's house.
where there's joy, joy, joy. The bride eyes not her garment, but her dear bridegroom's face. I will not gaze at glory, but on the King of grace. Dark, dark has been the midnight, but day spring is at hand. And glory, glory dwelleth in Emmanuel's land. It's coming. And we're closer today than we were yesterday. And a whole 200 plus folks here are already there. And I think they're over there cheering us. This that great cloud of witnesses is saying, go, team. Lift your light up. Father, help us today. Help us to be encouraged, though we may be in a moment of personal darkness, a moment of trial, a moment of testing. It happens. Ultimately, though, ultimately, in Christ, we are luminaries. We are luminaries. Help our light here to so shine before men that we simply and humbly lift Jesus up before them. There may be some in this auditorium this morning that know not Christ, their personal Savior. You'd like to know Christ. You say, Brother Bill, I'd like to know my sins are forgiven. I mean, all of them. Yes, all of them. We'd love to be able to help you. In a moment, we're going to sing a little couple verses, of a sweet little song, Just As I Am, Without One Plea. But that thy blood was shed for me. What a song. What words. What power it has. Why don't you make a, a move? There'll be folks down the front here. Ladies, if you come, a dear lady will take you in the back one-to-one, pray with you. Cry with you, laugh with you, show you the gospel, help you. No pressure, just love. Maybe a man here will come forward, another man will take him in the back and privacy of a room, be able to talk to you about your, what you want to talk about. You come. Father, thank you. Thank you for caring about us. Forgive us where we've lost the vision of this. Renew our vision again today of what you're doing for us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.